Greetings. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 21 of the Legacy Drawing Board, the podcast journey and experience that wants you to build a stronger, more meaningful legacy by embracing good design principles. I'm your host, Ron Fong. Last episode, I introduced the segments of interviewing people to get their thoughts on what their definition of legacy is, how they're building their legacy, and what they think is the greatest challenge for their generation in terms of legacy building. For today's episode, I'm including a clip from Brianna. Hello, my name is Brianna. Um, I'm 31 years old, so I am a millennial. Um, I would define legacy as a generational impact left on, left on or to um, a person, family, community, um, friends even, just people around you. Um, I very much like a millennial. I don't have any kids right now. I do have a dog that I spoil. So um, there is not this you know, gasp of wealth right now. And while I do intend to have kids, and I will make sure that I have you know, a home or savings or things of that nature that typically society says is your legacy that you pass on. Um, for me, I feel I am currently building my legacy through self-development and improvement. Um, so when I mean that, I mean gaining education um, and sharing the importance of education. Um, working on emotional well-being and working on that as an importance for those around me that we live in a society that has always been very headstrong on working, working, working. Um, and we've seen throughout the years the way that's played out. We've seen throughout the years the way those traumas have passed down. And so for me, and what I feel like even kind of my generation really looks at is how are you doing in this society that is very focused on you you turn 18 and you work until you die. Um, so working on my emotional well-being and improving my emotional intelligence to not pass on generational traumas while simultaneously identifying and healing from those traumas that have been passed on to me um, and putting an end to those. Um, allowing myself and those around me to feel comfortable, um, to be themselves, um, to be able to feel confident in who you are and your voice and speaking up um, the importance of knowing when things are wrong versus right morally valuably um, but not being afraid to speak on those um, all while practicing kindness I, I would say that's something that's very pointed out about my characteristics is my kindness and I want that to be something that those around me Either you can see it or you can kind of learn that it's not hard to be kind to other people. Um, and I would, with going with all of that, um, I would say the greatest need for generate, greatest need for my generation in legacy building is through the emotional well building. Society will always tell us what we need to do and what we need to pass on and what's important. Uh, but at the end of the day, we are humans, we are people, and we have needs. And I think the little tidbits that we have seen through previous generations has really um, brought this strength or this kind of wave for 
millennials and Gen Zs and so forth to focus on taking care of us and teaching us, teaching those around us and our kids and grandkids the importance of taking care of ourselves and living life. Um, that job's going to be there. Retirement's going to be there. I was working to it. But none of that matters if you aren't enjoying your life. And that's the kind of legacy I want to live is taking care of myself taking and, and enjoying the life that we have. When I heard Brianna share her thoughts about her legacy, legacy building, and the challenges for her generation. I heard her speak about generational impact. And for her, it's about self-development, self-improvement, especially in terms of emotional well-being. She had a contrast between her generation and the previous generations in terms of how work was prioritized. For previous generations, she felt that that was it. As soon as you turn 18, that's what you do. That was your life. That was your identity. And that you would work until you retired. And that was it. That was perhaps your legacy. Your legacy was going to be tied almost exclusively to your occupation. And she didn't want that. And she felt there was a shift in her generation with regards to what the components, uh, what, what, the, what was the importance or the priorities of the components that made up her legacy and her generation's legacy. And that was emotional building. The idea that some that that who you are and how you felt and how you were being prepared to go out into the world was extremely important instead uh, as opposed to just going out into the world. So we have a interesting uh, contrast and perhaps a divergence in terms of thought uh, with regards to work uh, between among the generations. And this is, uh, a nice segue because for this episode, I'm going to talk about your legacy building and loneliness. And stay with me on this one. I'll try to tie it all together. Loneliness is probably more likely in adults ages 18 to 29. The National Safety Council uh, statistics on fentanyl-related deaths, 53,480 deaths in 2020. A year later, 67,000 325 deaths, and that's a 26% increase. From the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention, suicide is the 12th leading cause of death in the United States. In 2020, 45,979 Americans died from suicide. At the same year, there was an estimated 1.2 million attempts. And we've all seen the reports, we've seen the news stories, we felt it ourselves firsthand with the pandemic and the post-pandemic, and all that has been going on in terms of the uh, tremendous uh, assault, the tremendous price that mental health has uh, paid for, the, for the, our pan, uh, during the pandemic. And that's impacting us on so many levels. We talk about in healthcare moral injury, where it goes beyond burnout, but something about your very core has been shaken, has been um, almost beaten down, where you have nothing more to give. And people are leaving the healthcare profession because of that. And we're going to have, and it's sort of that uh, catch-22, we're going to have a very difficult process because as more people need mental health, then the very people that are supplying it or in that sector are leaving it. So where do we go from here? And it's about legacy. It's about moving forward. It's about your life and, and its messaging. 
And again, going back to every thought, word, or deed. So how do you move forward in a time when perhaps you yourself feel lonely, you feel depressed, you feel as if there's just no hope? And it's difficult. And going back to Brianna, it's like, you know, how do you take care of yourself first before being able to help others? And we, we did talk about legacy as helping others or leaving something behind for others or leaving it, you know, right there for them. Uh, again, going to try to tie this together. Just want to introduce a few more uh, surveys to give us a little bit of context. There was a survey by trackinghappiness.com that found remote work increased employee happiness by 20%. Basically, people that were given the option from going from uh, working at the office exclusively to having the option of uh, remote work before and after, there was a 20% increase in their happiness. They found, uh, trackinghappiness.com, found through their studies and surveys that 27% of life happiness is correlated with happiness at work. Imagine that. Now, for some of you, you might think that's even a low number, that there's more than a quarter of your happiness is based on work. Perhaps it's 50%, perhaps even higher. They talked about how younger generations are more likely to work remotely. Uh, Gen Z and millennials are both at, uh, I think, uh, slightly more than 40%. Uh, the baby boomers are about 20%. And again, that's obviously going to be uh, dependent on your uh, your sector. And happiness at work increases uh, the most for millennials, again, when they're given the ability to work remotely. And I think that's interesting because when you talk about working remotely, and what they cite mostly, the people responding to the survey, is that they don't have to commute anymore. That extra time, and we don't know, you know, your, if your average commute, let's say, is 40 minutes one way, that's, uh, what's 80 minutes, an hour, almost an hour and a half that you're spending in the on the road. For them, I think the uh, greater flexibility, latitude of your day, it, it contributes to happiness. Now, speaking as a boomer, that is you know, something that's a bit foreign to me, and I'm in healthcare, so I do go in. But there's something to be said about personal contact. And I think we all seen what happens with Zoom meetings, how we don't appreciate the nuances. And there was a time when we talked about the infamous water cooler talk around a water cooler or bumping into each other. And so much I think you get in terms of personal contact, uh, the nuances. And the thing is, is that it builds and it's the everyday. It's things that, you know, these are strands of people's lives that, then become woven, woven into sort of tapestry, and you get a better nuance, more dimension of people's lives. And again, this is my personal assessment of, of where my comfort zone is in terms of uh, having face-to-face contact. And something about that, seeing someone, asking them how they are and so forth, uh, does that address loneliness or does that uh, reduce the likelihood of it? I think that's a factor to consider. And when uh, they talked about surveying happiness at work by generations, the baby boomers who are the least likely to work remotely are as happy. Now, that's also taking into consideration that they tend to, obviously, they're going to be uh, of a more advanced age. And there's going to be just this U-shaped curve about your life where when you begin, life is great. And then you go through some rough periods and an upswing. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of factors that go into that. But in terms of 
your legacy and in terms of happiness, in terms of loneliness, all these things. One of the things that, a phrase that I never quite understood was work-life balance because it made it seem as if you your life was a ledger and that you have certain columns or a spreadsheet. If you put X hours into uh, work and X hours into home and they balance, then you had work-life balance. But I think that we, we get we get a sense of that in terms of the shifting of the gears that you have to, let's say, you know, physically be there, drive. But the thing is, that, is there a consistency? So that's just in terms of the quantity of hours. But in terms of your core being, is there a consistency between the person you are at work and the person you are at home? And maybe the lines get a little bit blurred now with the uh, remote work. But I always thought of it as in terms of, at least from a legacy standpoint, do you have work-life harmony? Because we, we see or we hear that you know work accounts for roughly a quarter of your happiness. And what if that's just you know a quarter of your happiness, your total happiness? But for some people, it may be skewed, it may be higher or lower. But what if you have an imbalance in terms of your happiness, that you're extremely happy at work, but you're not happy at work or vice versa? And you may put in the same hours. So we talk about balance, we can think of a scale or a ledger, you know, one side or the other, you know, opportunity costs, uh, robbing Peter, pay Paul. But if we design our lives, our legacy in terms of harmony, then I think you get a more unified message. And hopefully then the, the happiness that you get becomes more evenly distributed. And it gives, because there's a consistency there, uh, if you know being a nice person at home, being a nice person at work, you would hate to again have that imbalance where if you the people at work you know talk to the people at home and they give you vastly different uh, accounts of who you are. Design as you make going forward in this post pandemic time, and we see what's going on around us, we see what's happening with mental health, we see people being depressed to the point of. Uh, uh, drug use, suicide, that's on the rise. And I know, you know, going forward, I'm not sure we're going to have any quick solutions. But you yourself are living in these times, and are you susceptible? Are you vulnerable to the loneliness? Are you having a difficult time yourself? Then I, I think, you know, reaching out and the message, and, that, and to a certain extent, that message is I'm having a difficult time. It's okay to say that. At the same time, are you recognizing that you're not alone? That there are others out there that might be share, that might be feeling the same way. And again, your legacy going forward is that: Are you going to be the person that connects with people? Are you going to be a person that gives them hope? Are you going to be a person that stays in contact? All very time-consuming when you're trying to take care of yourself first. But I think that taking your care of yourself and taking care of others, it could be parallel tracks. And obviously it might be, you know, only so much time and you have to prioritize one over the other, but hopefully at least they're somewhat sequential or they're connected. And again, having that harmony that as you take care of yourself and you find healing, as you find renewal, 
that your legacy is that you want to share that gift with others. And as I said, you know, so in, in previous episodes, a burden shared is a burden halved. A joy shared is a joy doubled. You know, we are our brothers and sisters keepers. And will that be part of your legacy? Difficult conversations, difficult times. And that's why I think it's all the more important is you're going forward your life to design it. You know, what do you want your life to be? And I think that will come now in terms of your work choice. You know, working remotely, are you going to enter the medical profession or you're not because you hear what's going on? These are all challenges that we're facing, but hopefully we'll face them together and that we'll have, we'll leave legacies for those uh, after us. That when you do have difficult times, to reach out, stay connected, and that we're better together. And that hopefully that post-pandemic uh, legacies won't be one of just shattered lives or isolated lives or loneliness. You know, that would be a substantial, you know, um, not even collateral damage, but co damage of the pandemic itself. Well, I want to thank you for your time and listening to me. I always appreciate it. If you have comments or you would like to be a guest, and I'm going to have guests on pretty soon, or you would like to be just interviewed in terms of, you know, a quick segment for sharing your thoughts on terms of uh, legacy uh, building and what challenges your generation faces, by all means, contact me. My email address is rfong at truenorthshepherding.com. And I also invite you to visit my website, truenorthshepherding.com. Uh, to sign up for a complimentary session on how to design and build your legacy, uh, to deliver the message that you want to share with others, which I think is especially important as we go forward after the pandemic or after the emergency from the pandemic has been declared over. Yet we do have the aftermath, and especially the younger generations, you know, how they're feeling and whether or not they feel as if they're the previous generations can provide them with. Uh, useful, uh, meaningful guidance. And I think that's something that's going, going to be very interesting among the generations is how do they, how do we work together? How do we connect and how do we enhance each other's legacies? My next episode, I'm going to talk about legacy lessons from a dog's life. Until then, please give your legacy the time and attention it deserves, because when you do, we all benefit. <laughs>